All right, we, uh, we, we were looking at Acts chapter 4 the last time I was with you, and uh, I want to pick up at verse 32 of Acts chapter 4, and then we're going to go to the first part of Acts 5 tonight, and, um, and we're going to take a look at, I think it's a message that all of us will have the opportunity to apply in some way, shape, or form. Yeah? Amen. All right, thanks. All right, now before we do, I want to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, there was a man who was out of work, and he couldn't find a job. He saw a, a, a want ad uh, in the paper at the zoo. So he went to the zoo, and he said, yeah, I saw your advertisement for uh, a job. And they said, well, it's a very interesting job. You see, we have a silverback gorilla, and, um, and it died. And none of our patrons know it, and it's our number one exhibit, second only to the lion. And we have another silverback gorilla coming in a week, but we need to kind of not let everyone know that the gorilla's dead. So we need you to dress up in a gorilla suit for a week and be the gorilla. And uh, we, we've got costumes from Hollywood. Folks are going to do this for you. They're going to do all the makeup. And he says, well, I, 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 I need the work. I guess I can. So he goes through the extensive makeup process. They put him in the gorilla cage. The zoo opens up, and he's a little pensive at first, but starts taking the role, and he's doing all the gimmicks and, you know, just uh, everything he can do, and everybody's laughing, and he's throwing things, and they're just amazed by it. And uh, he's, he's swinging from a branch. He's taking it, you know, as the, the week is progressing, he's swinging on this branch, and everyone is just cheering, and the, it's one of the biggest, and people are coming, and the, the, the attendance is increasing. And as he's doing this new act, swinging on the branch, the branch breaks, and he falls into the lion pit. And the lion starts approaching with his massive mane, and it's just walking, and, and he's, you know, trying to square up like a gorilla, and just, you know, he's trying to hold the part, and this thing's coming, and as it's starting to approach, he just loses, he's just screaming, no! And he hears a voice from the, uh, from the lion saying, be quiet or we'll both get fired. <laughs> so hang on to that story and you'll see how it applies. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word and we ask that you would guide and direct us and lead us into all truth. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 32, we've, we've seen... Uh, powerful move of God's spirit. Now the church at this point has, it used to have 120 members. Now it has 8,120 members. The Lord added 3,000, then 5,000, and we're watching the church explode. The, the earth shakes. There, there's, there's great grace upon the church. And now we come to verse 32 after this amazing uh, turn of events. The multitudes of those who believed were one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each one as anyone had need. Now, a lot of folks are going, see, the Bible does speak of communism, you know, to, 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 from the one who has to the one who has need, and, and to each according to his need. And, and we, we, everyone should live equally, and, and we should wear the same clothes. We, that's not the text. And as a matter of fact, this is what they did. It's not what the Lord commands. This isn't communism. This is what's called communism. They had all things in common. They had a joy to share. They willingly gave. Uh, in communism, what's yours is mine. And we're all equal. Some are more equal than others, right? The nature of man is such that we'll never get to a place where we'll be able to go, I'm content with that. And the only way communism works is to take from the one who's, who's working. And, and God says that when you work, and, and I'll bless you. A man who does not work does not eat. And, and, as, and as you obey the Lord and he starts to bless you, abundance comes. And the Ten Commandments, when you honor them, the Levitical laws are all about protecting private property. And God teaches us through the, the Levitical laws how to create wealth. And wealth is created when we observe these things that God has put before us. And these principles of developing wealth and ministering to one another. And, and as this happens, um, when we, we come with the governments of man centered around man and our, our feeble ideas, we think, well, the way we're going to make it better is, is I'm going to take from, from Brett because he has more than I do, or he has more than Grant does, and, and I'm going to take from Brett and give it to Grant. Well, Grant gets it. But Grant didn't work hard. Grant didn't, no offense, Grant, but Grant didn't work hard, 
he, he, didn't, he, he didn't earn it. And Brett looks at it and says, well, I worked hard to get that, and you just took it from me and gave it to Grant, who's not working. And Brett says, well, what's the point of working? And so what happens is your production decreases. And that's why you see in North Korea, they don't produce anything. We represent 3% of the world's population. America does. We have the most patents, Nobel Prize winners, uh, more symphonies have been written, more inventions. We are the, the hotbed of that because we understand freedom and the ability to, to be blessed by, by the way you do business. Well, in, in this case where you see get, taking from one to give to another, um, it, the, the story I remember was... Uh, the, the Soviet commissar came to one of the farms, the, the collectives, and said, how, comrade, how do, how's the crops today? And he says, I'm doing a terrible Russian accent. <laughs> he says, how's, how's the crops today? And he says, um, he says, the crops are amazing. They're big, big potato harvest. He says, the, the potatoes are, are as big as, as boulders. And they stack, the, they, when you pile them, they stack to the foot of God. And the commissar says, there's no God. He says, yes, and there's no potatoes. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. So it, it, it doesn't work in the theories of man. Here, this is communism. It's a willingness. The government doesn't force you to take it from you. You willingly give. Freely you receive, freely you give. Now that's something to understand too because communism doesn't work, but neither does capitalism without conviction. Because freely you've received. You say, well, no, I'm a self-made man. No, well, no, you aren't. No, you aren't. God gave you the ability to create wealth, and you're to use that wealth not for yourself or for the furtherment of the things that, that you want to lavish your life with, but for the betterment of others. I, I, I shared with you a story about Harold Mansellian. You live more simply than others may simply live. He was one of the most generous men I've ever met. He was worth millions of dollars. He'd only left Fresno two times in his life, once to go to Las Vegas for military training and the other time to go back for a reunion. He could have built and traveled and done anything he wanted, but he saved and scrimped, and he, he took care of thousands of, of orphans in Lebanon. He, he paid for seminary students to go to school. I learned of this after he had died. And so we examine our life in that regard, but conviction of the Lord with the wealth that's been given, it's not so that you can lavish yourself. Now, it's, it, now the greater the risk, the greater the reward, and, and I don't despise the man or the woman that has nice things. You could look at my life and say, well, yours is lavish. A pastor shouldn't be driving a Honda, or a pastor shouldn't be... Okay. The wonderful thing about it is, it's a conviction between you and the Lord. And you'll know when you're not doing well, because you're, you're going to live at discontent with those around you. You're going to be numb to the needs around you. You're, you're not generous, if you if you were to ledger your checkbook and see where you spend your money, you'll know who's important. And it's typically you. We love ourselves. We lavish ourselves. And and love others as I have loved you, the Lord says. How much did he love us? He gave us everything. And and you 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 make how's it go? The, it, it was Winston Churchill's quote. He says, um, um You make a living by what you make. You make a life by what you give. And, and it's, it's the rich man or the rich woman who gives. Uh, you can't outgive the Lord. And, you, and the more you give, the, 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 the more you start to see the faithfulness of God. Our God is a generous God. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave the full measure. Now, some of you go, well, that's just about the church. And I understand that. People don't like that message because the church wastes some money. And they do. And the church does. I don't talk on tithing. I'm not sharing this message because we need it. Well, it's summertime. We always need summer. <laughs> but I'm sharing it because the simple idea is God wants his people to reflect his, his nature, his character. So that's what you see here. There's an amazing move of God's spirit upon the church. This is, this is precious. 8,120 people, and they're living in community. They have all things in common. They, they, they love to hang out with each other. You know what's amazing about friendships? It requires intimacy. It requires that you know me and I know you. And, and actually, a lot of people don't like to have friends because they really don't want people into their world. I don't want you to see what I'm really about. And actually, the more time you spend with someone, the more you see what they're like. And, and a man, the scripture says, if a man desires friends, Proverbs eighteen twenty four, he must himself first be friendly. 
And most of us don't have friends because we're not friendly. And we look at the church, well, there's nobody in the church is nice. Well, then why are you coming? Because you're not going to help. I remember one person came to church and says, I, don't, I bet you there's nobody nice in this church. And I, I, I just, I, I, and I, I said, it was almost like they were, they were daring, they, I dare you to, to love me. And, and I just, I looked at him and I said, you know, you're not going to do very well here. Why? I said, because you're not friendly. You're not going to find friends until you're friendly. You don't come to, to take, you come to give. You give of your life, you give of your, your time, your talents, your treasures to invest in the lives of others. That's, that's how it reflects itself. In, in, in America, and I was telling this to, the, to Pastor Lumala, in America, we, we, we have money, but we don't have any time. In Uganda, they have a lot of time and no money. Pastor Lumala can't understand why I won't sit with him for three hours. And I'm saying, Pastor Lumala, I've got so much to do today. Now, I, I can write you a check for something that you need, but I want to spend time with you. And, and that's how our kids spell, time, or spell love, T-I-M-E. We don't have the time. And we think by giving them things or buying things, but, but to be giving in the, in the Lord's heart requires not just our, our treasures, but our time and our talents. That's what builds community. If you look at the church as a place you drop into and then drop out and drop a check, and you don't know anybody or invest or participate in ministries or go visit the shut-ins or go. I went today to the hospital. I hate hospitals. I, I, I seriously go through a, almost like a panic issue when I'm walking to the doors of the hospital. But the minute I walk in, I get in, I can sense God's grace upon me and a supernatural gifting as I'm at the bedside with somebody. I know it's not me because I hate hospitals. And, and, and to be there at the bedside, all of a sudden you see somebody at their worst and they're open to you. And there's a knitting when you meet somebody at those critical moments. That's the beauty of what you're seeing here at a church that's exploding. It's transforming the world by this tenderness. And great grace was upon them. And, and as they're selling their possessions and their lands and their houses and they're sharing with one another and the proceeds that were bought, they were sold and they laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each one as they had need. They trusted the leadership a lot of people don't give because they don't trust the leadership. I would just simply say, if you don't trust the leadership here and that's why you're not giving, then by golly, go to another church. I do not want to be the hindrance to you obeying God to give. Go somewhere else, but don't use me as an excuse. And, and they were looking they, to anyone who had need. Now imagine, you know, a lot of folks think they have a need. Dad, I need... You give, him, you, give him, you give your child, I love the comedian, he says, I gave my son 30 bucks for a pair of shoes. He says, Dad, I need Nike Air. They're, they're 120. He says, no, son, you don't need N- Nike Airs. They're 120 bucks. Yeah, you have 30 bucks. What you need is $90. <laughs> what you perceive a need to be isn't necessarily what God perceives a need to be. Right? I remember one person uh, in San Jose, uh, somebody had donated an old car. And I knew they needed a car, and I gave them the car. I worked it through Pastor Don, and they got the car. You know what they did? They went out and sold the car so they could put a down payment on a payment for another car. And I just looked, and they said, no, I needed you know, something a little more. No, you didn't. You didn't. You just got into a deeper mess. A, a, a need is, is met. And, and oftentimes we think we need it. Well, if we need it so much and God didn't provide for it, now all of a sudden we're in debt to have it. So this is the picture. Now, in the process of this, look at verse 36. In the process of it, they, they, they highlight a name. And Joseph, who is also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. What a cool name. This, it, it was almost like Peter... Uh, the apostle, he, he realized that Jesus said, I'm going to call you Cephas. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. 
um, when he looked at Jacob, he said, when, when he looked at Jacob, he says, your name is now Israel. And here Peter's like, I like the name changes. And he says, Joseph, you got a cool name, but man, I've been seeing the way you operate. You're one of the first guys to sell your possessions. You're so generous. You know, when to meet somebody in their deepest need, you're an encourager, you're others centered, you're others focused. The, you, you exemplify, you, you're, you're, you, you don't look like you've been eating lemons all day. If, if people, if, if somebody says, who's blessed you, Barnabas's name is always going to come to the top. Uh, the, the, this name just rings true in everybody's heart. When, when we look at you, we're encouraged. You just have this ability. There's something about you that when, when, when somebody's in your presence, it almost feels as though there's nobody else in the world. The way you pour your life into others, you are so other-centered and, and you're a blessing. And I, I want to change your name from Joseph to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And, and boy, this was elevated, you know, 8,120 people. And this guy's name is son of encouragement. And he, he just rises and he's like, oh, I'm not a son of encouragement. I just, well, I, you know, praise the Lord. If, if you see that, he gets all the glory because I was Joseph and I know who I'm like and, and what I'm capable of. And any change you see in me, it's all that God's done. Isn't this great the way the Lord's working in our life? And, and, and this is it. And he was a Levite. But it was fascinating that he was a Levite from the country of Cyprus. We have a Cypriot present. Are you here? There you are. Emma's back there. She's our missionary from Cyprus. And, and there on the island of Cyprus, off the coast, he had traveled in and he was a Levite. And he's, he's serving. And he's, he has now come to Christ. He's a completed Jew. He had land and he sold it. And he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. He was probably the guy that started this whole move. Yes, this is precious. This is so sweet. And they were moved by his generosity and the way he lived his life. And he was so happy. It's almost as though everything he... One of my favorite authors is Corey Tenboom, and another is J. Edwin Orr. These two people traveled the world without anything in their pocket. Uh, J. Edwin Orr left Belfast with a widowed mother and brothers and sisters and set out to travel the world trusting God. And while he traveled the world to trust God, not only was he able to send money back every month to care for his mother and the kids, but he also had enough to sustain himself. And everywhere he went, he preached the gospel and revival occurred. You add in addition to Corey Tenboom, she did the same thing. She came out of Nazi Germany. She was in a concentration camp. Her life was miraculously saved. She went back into war-torn Germany to preach a gospel of grace and traveled the world. And, and she would always call the Lord Papa. And, and she would have the money for the ticket where God was sending her. And then God would say something like, we'll give the money away. And she's, but, but Papa, I won't have the ticket. And she'd give the money away. And then all of a sudden another check. And she'd go, oh, bless you, Papa. And she had this sweet, intimate fellowship because she was relying daily. You're scared to death to rely that way. So am I. But that's where God wants us in a complete act of faith. George Mueller was the same way. When you see a Christian that has come to that level, it's almost like they've reached this, you know, um, what, what's the thing with the, where the bullets are, what is that movie? Yeah, the Matrix. It's almost like they're in the Matrix, you know, the, the biblical Matrix. And, um, and, and this is Barnabas. He's there. And everyone marvels at this man and his generosity and how he lives by faith. And he has just a, a light hold on his things. He doesn't have a Kung Fu grip. He just, oh, you like it? And I, I've met people. I remember one man I sat with at a Republican luncheon. I was one of the speakers and I commented on his tie. I said, that is a beautiful tie. It really was. It was a white and blue striped tie and it was stunning and he was a good looking guy. And, and, and I said, that's a great tie. And, and I finished speaking and he was gone. And I came and I sat down at the seat and there was the tie on my plate and he was gone. No, I didn't know who he was. It was just, that's, that's the generosity that you see in, in people's lives. So Barnabas is setting the stage. His name has changed. People's lives are moved. And watch what happens. It, now, you, you, you go from chapter 4 to chapter 5. You go from chapter 4 to chapter 5, but that is man's break. Uh, it doesn't exist in the original scripture because what's the first word in chapter 5? But. But is a disassociative conjunctive. Meaning what you've just read, I want to show you what's going to happen now. And so it's, it ties in with what you just read. So there's a chapter break, but it's not necessarily supposed to be there. So they, you see this picture, you see this generosity, and then, but, in contrast, a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. 
They're like, well, Barnabas did it. We'll do it. They sold the possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. It was a good thing. He held back a little bit, but he came and he brought the proceeds. And, and, he, he, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. And he, was, he, was, he was trying to emulate, or I would probably say trying to mimic, or trying to counterfeit Barnabas. He saw the way that Barnabas was elevated. He saw the way that people were endeared to Barnabas. And have you ever met anyone that wants to be recognized? Nobody's ever met anyone. Who's to be yeah, and and you you they you know walk in a certain way, carry the you know, and just oh praise God, and they've got the lingo, and they just and uh, hmm. Well, this was them, and he keeps back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and they brought a certain part, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said to Ananias, and this was, this was inspired. Peter didn't know what he was going to do. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. He didn't know how the chapter ended. He didn't. He had no idea what was going to transpire. He didn't know what was going to come down. It was, Peter had this, discernment, the gift of discernment over the flock he was entrusted to. He, he could look out and just know. There was just things he could read and, and just have this sense of what's going on here. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him. And Peter says to Ananias, as the Holy Spirit is speaking, he says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? You're coming forward as though you're donating it all. I, we didn't ask for it. You didn't have to give it. But you're 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 a poser. You 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 want to p- present yourself as a Barnabas, but you're not. Why don't you just present yourself as an Ananias? I'm going to give a part of it, but part of it I want. I, I really want to go to the mall. I want to buy this. I I don't I don't I I don't. And listen, I could I I don't care what you give. I don't. But don't portray yourself as a sold out, you know, invested, vibrant Christian when you tip God. And praise the Lord, I love this church, I love this ministry, I just, I, I'm so involved, I just, I, I, that, I've got to tell you, that's why Marty does the books. I don't want to know. And he has this ability to forget when he's in your presence. He knows what you've given, and he still calls to wish you a happy birthday. Anyone? Nobody? Okay, yeah. And he does it with the same zeal as he does with anyone else, and joy. And, and God showed me early on, I am not to see that. I can't. And, and yet, here's a poser. I will say this. When I was in San Jose one time, there was an elder, and I thought that he was, he was it. I mean, he had to be the epitome of it. And I saw his, his tithe. I, I knew what he did for a living. I, I, I knew what he was worth. And when I saw what he gave, I, I was, it, it sickened me. It made me sad. I just thought, Lord, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be stingy. I don't, I don't want to be a poser. It doesn't matter what you give, but just be who you are. Just be who you are. And, and don't a, a try to appear to be something else. And when he said this to him, you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept back part of the price of the land for yourself. And while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? You, you didn't have to do any of this. You could have you, 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 you just been honest. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Conceived. Bible says that that um, when you were tempted and that unites with your will, it conceives sin. And when sin is fully formed, it produces death. You have conceived the sin in your heart. That's where all sins begin is in the heart. I'm not talking about the the physical meat organ in your chest. I'm talking about the conscience of, of your heart, the the mind, the intellect, your soul. 
And, and as you, you've already formulated, and it begins right here. It begins right here. And then the action occurs. And, and as, as this will is united with the temptation, the temptation and the will and this sin is conceived, he says, you have, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? And then he says, you've not lied to men, but to God. Now, first of all, let's go back to our study of the third person of the Trinity, or I should say the forgotten person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He, he is not a force. He's a person. And, and you, because you can't lie to a force. And so when somebody says, have you received it? I go, received it what? Have you received it? The Holy Spirit. Oh, you mean him. It is a force. Him is a person. Have you received him? Do you understand that? You can't lie to a force. The Holy Spirit is, is a person. And he's grieved. And it hurts him. And the Holy Spirit is, the, is he is, he's the restrainer of evil. He's the one who brings conviction of sin. He's the revealer of truth. He leads us into all truth. He's the paraclete. He comes alongside. He's in, with, and upon. That's how he operates in the lives of people. And he is God. So the Holy Spirit was lied to, and he was grieved. And, and if you wonder if the Holy Spirit is God, you have not lied to men, but to God. And you say, well, where's the word Trinity in the Bible? There isn't. But you want to see the three persons of God. It's here. You have Jesus. You have the Father. You have the Holy Spirit. It declares in different scriptures that each is God. And they're one. And there's one God, one mediator. And they each have a role. And you want me to explain how he can be three persons and still be one person? I can't. How he can be one God yet three persons and he can, he can speak to himself and answer himself? I can't. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? And if I could, if I could explain it to you, he'd only be as big as my brain. And we wouldn't be here worshiping him. He, cert- he certainly wouldn't be worth singing to. My brain is tiny. And, and his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And, and yet he reveals himself. There's much we don't know about him, but what we do, we, we trust in that. And so here we see the Holy Spirit. He's God. And then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. You can imagine Peter going, whoa! And everyone going, whoa! 8,120 people floored as he hits the floor. And Ananias, you know, why have you lied to God? You, you've crushed the sweetness of this fellowship. I remember early on when I got to Skyline Chapel, 50 people in the church went through this season where there was just this precious growth and there was a tenderness about it. And I, I, it, was, it was one of the most precious experiences I've had as a Christian in my life in those early stages at Skyline. And, and I, remember, I, I remember this infiltration of strangeness and and within a year that one family had affected our worship leader uh, our college pastor our secretary and it was awful and they had appeared to be this godly Christian family they were anything but and it was awful and the things that transpired after we left that location was worse and it just, it grieved me. I remember one person presenting themselves to be, you know, godly and trusting the Lord. And this, I, I shared this before, the, this letter shows up at Christmas and it's from this person and they're telling me about this other person, how wonderful they are. I didn't know the person who wrote the letter, raving about how generous they were and the things that they'd done and how they'd reached out and how I didn't know the Lord and I'm, I'm involved in this industry that is godless and, and yet their testimony to me. And I just want you to, I just want to thank you for, for, you know, teaching this, this person and, and how they've affected my life. And it was a touching letter. It was so moving. It was one of the sweetest letters. And I just was so blessed by this person. And, 
And I, I knew that they were in need, and I, I met with some of the elders. We sent them a check for Christmas. And I remember I was driving to church after Christmas. I'm driving to the church, and I'm driving down Lynn, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says that um, the letter you received, and I said, yes, Lord. He said, uh, that, that person doesn't exist. The letter was written by the person you sent the check to. I said, no, Lord. And I get to the church, and Eric Smith, and you can check this out with Eric. Eric comes up and he goes, Rob, the Lord spoke to my heart and told me, and I, I don't, I don't want to be insulting, but I think that that letter was falsified by so-and-so. I go, the Lord told me the exact same thing. And when confronted, it was like the sin of Achan. He fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it until we just kept dialing. And then finally the confession when there was nowhere else to go. And just broke my heart. This tenderness, this sincerity that I could take you at face value, that, that, that you were sincere without wax. There was, there was no crack in you. You weren't trying to pretend to be something you weren't. Sincere, sincero, which means without wax. It used to be that if a vase, it would take you know, a long time for the craftsman to chisel and polish and this, a bust or a, a figurine made out of marble. And maybe just as they're finishing it, they hit it wrong and the ear falls off. Well, what they would do is they would put the wax in and they'd attach it and they would paint it over and it would, it would look so great. But as you would hold it up to the light, the light would show through and show the crack. Or, and, and if, you, if and, and you would see the wax. But if you weren't sharp, you'd buy it and you'd bring it home, put it on your mantle, it'd be a hot day and you'd just watch the ear slide off. You know? And you go, well, hey, look, Van Gogh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Don't know where that came from. But, but the Roman word for sincere means sincero, which means without wax. And, and yet appearing as though it were whole when it was actually not. And, and it's almost like putting on the gorilla suit. You're not a gorilla. You're pretending to be, right? That was the whole story. And, and here you, 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 you see this hypocrita, which is the, the word we find here in, in Acts 5. It means one who wears a mask. And, and it crushes a church. It crushes a church. Because the tenderness and the moving of God's spirit upon a church is, is highly affected by the sincerity, the sincera of, its, of, of the church's people. We're of one accord when we know each other. We're of one accord when, when what we see is what we get when there's an honesty and a candidness and a transparency, I, I, would, I would rather have a church filled with heroin addicts that were honest about their addiction than I would to have a church filled with people who weren't honest about their life. And, and, and this is what God wants. And he looks at it and, and if you wonder, well, that's kind of harsh. Ananias drops dead. Well, Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, they were priests, each took his censer and put fire in it and put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they did, died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me must be regarded as holy, and before all people, must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. I ain't speaking. His sons died right there. You look at uh, the sin of Achan in Joshua 7, same thing. He lied and he lied and he lied. And you know what lying does? It takes time and energy to get to the truth. And Achan just, he took the entire nation of Israel. Everyone had to stand according to their tribe for hours and then it broke it down to the tribe. And then it broke it down to the family line. And then it broke it down to the single family. And then it came into the, 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 the family unit. And finally, when there's nobody left and they're standing there, Achan goes, doggone it. You know what? I did take the metal. I took the silver. It's hidden in my bag. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> God struck him dead. There wasn't a confession. He was caught. He had every opportunity, but he, and it took the entire nation had to endure that. And, and, and that, that's the exhaustion that wipes out the body of Christ. 
We're just, we're trying to, we want to be a family of truth. We want to be transparent. That's the intimacy. That's the honesty. And, and uh, Ananias drops dead. It's not the first time, but let's, let's, was it because he was a sinner? No. What about the woman caught in adultery? Jesus said, woman, go and sin no more. He didn't strike her dead. She was candid. Hey, I'm transparent. They brought her naked. She's like, guilty as charged. She didn't even try to defend herself. Well, the woman at the well who was sleeping with her boyfriend and had been married multiple times. She says, I don't even want to go there. But I perceive you to be a prophet. That's true. (laughs) He didn't strike her dead. God's not interested in striking sinners dead. He wants to protect the purity of the church. So he doesn't want insincerity. He doesn't want people that are filled with wax. He doesn't want gorilla suits. He doesn't want masks. Right? And as I'm preaching this, a lot of you are going, well, hmm. I know a hypocrite sitting right next to me. Or near me. Or he's in the pulpit. (laughs) Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 34, he said, but take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life. And that day will come upon you unexpectedly. He says, but take heed to yourselves. Don't worry about the, the hypocrite sitting next to you or near you. Or maybe the hypocrite living with you. Worry about the hypocrite living in you. That's the whole point of the message tonight. Everybody's got a gorilla suit. Everybody's got a mask. Everybody's got wax. We want to see God move. We need to be honest. I hate sermons like this. Because it, it doesn't matter if any year here, the preparation for it was killing me. Killing me. You know... Watch what happens here. He drops down dead, breathes his last. Great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose, wrapped him up, and carried him out and buried him. Like, we don't even want to go there anymore. Let's just, the leaven is out, and a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Let's just go out and take the leaven out and bury the leaven. Let's just, we don't need it in the bread of God, bread of life. And now it was about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what happened. Time out. Time out. His wife came in three hours later, not knowing what happened. That means 8,120 people didn't gossip. I got to the staff meeting, and they knew my family had lice. Where did that come from? Eight thousand one hundred twenty people didn't know that a man dropped dead, or, or, or the wife didn't know that the man dropped dead. No one ever told her, because nobody gossiped. What is gossip? Gossip is what you say behind someone's back that you wouldn't say to their face. Flattery is worse, or probably equally as bad. It's what you would say to their face, but you wouldn't say behind their back. Both are awful. And, and it doesn't exist. 8,120 people. That's a nice-sized church, and there's no gossip. Three hours later, the woman comes in, fresh from the mall, spending the money she held back. She probably got all the Nordstrom bags. That's just a picture in my mind. And, uh, and he, he turns to her, verse 8, and Peter says, tell me, whether you sold the land for, for so much. And, and, and Peter's probably saying, oh gosh, please tell me you did. Please tell me that you, you please tell the truth. I, I, don't, I don't want you to die. You know, they weren't condemned to hell. I bet you Ananias and Sapphira were believers. I really do. I, I think they were believers. It's just that God wanted to protect the sincera, the, the purity of the church. He wanted to show them this is how it's supposed to be. 
You don't want to pretend to be a Barnabas. You want to be a Barnabas. And if you, you, if you struggle to be a Barnabas, just be honest about it. The Apostle Paul was. The Apostle Paul said, those things that I want to do, I want to be like Barnabas, you don't do. Those things I don't want to do, like be like Ananias, those I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I admi- I'll tell you, I really trust a human being who's been caught in, in, in sin and is honest. At that point, when they're caught in sin and they're candid, not, a, not an ache in sin, but where there's a candidness, and they share things that they could have hidden, and they just bring it all out because they want to walk in the light, and they just lay it on the table. I have more trust in that person than the majority of the people in the church because I have seen them have to face reality. And they are more valuable than, they, than they'd ever been. And at that point, they're now prepared for something better. And she has a chance to do that. She has a chance to be honest. He says, tell me whether you sold the land for, for so much. And when you look at this, she said, yes, we sold it for that pr- price. She puts down her Nordstrom bags. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together? Meaning her and her husband. And the word agreed together in the Greek is symphonia, which means you're in symphony, you're in harmony with each other. You're in full agreement to lie. You, you, you know, you, our, 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 our house against the world. If we stick together as a family, I got news for you. It's not family if it's a lie. And if you're a parent that is encouraging your kids to lie or your family to lie and to live a lie, it's not a family. It's a mess. I remember when we were married and and we hadn't had kids yet, I don't think, and the phone rang and I told, I, I didn't want to talk to the person. I said, told Michelle, tell him I'm not here. She goes, I'm not gonna lie. I told him, I'm not gonna lie. So I stepped outside the door and I said, tell him I stepped out. She goes, can he call you back? He's not available to talk right now. I thought, well, I guess that's a little nicer. I guess that's true. Jeepers, why did I think of that? (laughs) Michelle's the most honest human being I've ever met. I was raised in a family where you lied. You were just, just told to lie. You weren't told to lie, but your parents were basically saying, I don't want to know the truth. Just tell me what I want to hear. And when your parents were drunk and you just didn't want to have the conversation where you just told them what they wanted to hear and then you got to go to bed. You didn't have to sit through the mess. That was, uh, Natasha shared that. That was what was so hard in the orphanage because growing up in the orphanage, you were, you were trained to lie. Just fall in line. I just got to write my report. Just tell me what I want to hear. And, and for her, which was so hard, and, and bless her heart because she's doing so great now. And she was always honest about this. She was honest about her struggle. She said, Dad, I, I need to leave because I can't do this. She didn't want to be in our home because she knew she'd fail. I said, honey, you can fail. She says, but I don't know how to tell the truth. And, and, and to live with us meant we knew more about her. And you, you started to see the... You know why their guys are, and gals are really good at poker? Because they start to read faces. They know the tell. My wife can read my face and know. <laughs> 25 years of marriage, she can read it. What's wrong? <laughs> you just, you look funny. I do? I, I, do? I look, I, find, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man! <laughs> And they were in symphony together and they just continued this, this sin, this perception. They wanted, their fa- they wanted the image of their family. They wanted people to think more highly of them. Why couldn't they just be who they were? 
You, you, you so desperately want to be someone else that you're afraid to be who you are. What's wrong with being a work in progress? I used to think, God, why, why, why didn't you make two Billy Grahams and no Rob McCoys? Why didn't you make two Chuck Smiths and no Rob McCoys? Why don't you make two Greg Lorries? Just being, I hate, I hate going to pastor's conferences. Anyone who knows me knows I hate going to pastor's conferences, and I'm candid about it. And I tell all the other pastors, it's not you, it's me. I sit in those pastor's conferences, and I evaluate myself based on you. And, and it's, it's, it's three days of hell. And I, I'm just not, I, I just don't get anything out of it because I'm so, I struggle with that. And I'm, I tell the guys, I'm sorry. And they go, come on. Come on, we miss you. I go, well, well let's. And over time, it's gotten better. But I just, I, I look at it, I just go, why am I here? These guys are so much better. And I just, and, and I go through this deprecating, self-deprecating mess. It's just hard. Maybe you don't have the problem, I do. No wax, there you go. Gorilla suit off. And it says, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Test means you not test the Lord your God. And, and to test means don't push it. God's grace is sufficient. Shall I continue in sin that grace may, may abound? By no means. God gives you grace so you can get away from the edge of sin, not so you can get closer to it. And, and you know, you get to that place where you just think, God... You're, you're, I've just run over your grace so often, I, I don't even recognize it anymore. And that's where you're testing the Lord. And that's dangerous. It says, look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they're gonna carry you out. She could have said, please, no, I'm sorry. She didn't. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead. <laughs> They're like, wow. And they carried her out and buried her by her husband. So great, look at this, great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. They were probably looking at Ananias and going, man, Ananias hangs out with the apostles, not the B-apostles. This guy, is, he's, in, he's on the end. He's just like barn, and all of a sudden he's dead. And, and remember, some of you are going, well, Sapphira was just obeying her husband. No, no, Ephesians 5 says, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Submission is not, does not include lying. You don't submit unto sin. You don't submit unto sin. Great fear was in the church. The psalmist says the fear of the Lord is clean. It's good. Fear is respect. Daddy's coming home. You know, you get into the book of Corinthians, you'll see that a a man was sleeping with his father's wife. God didn't strike him dead. God allows sin to exist in the church. But he wants, and, and, and Paul would go in to say a little leaven, leaven's the whole lump, take it out. If you see it there, you know, he who causes division... Mark those who cause division have nothing to do with them, the scripture says. You know, you, you, you call people to repentance when you see the sin. If they don't want to, you just got to tell them to leave. In all the years I've been the pastor, we've only exercised Matthew 18 once. Didn't even get to the full result. They left. But you look at this idea of great fear on the church. Great respect. Could you imagine... Could you imagine? We all stand up tonight and we sing, I surrender all. I. Because <laughs> everybody's lying. And you're all going to be dying. The number one ministry in the church would be the ambulance ministry. It's carting people, the burying ministry. Just be dropping like flies. I surrender. <laughs> it would it would be it would, it'd be awful. 
You know, Jesus said in Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 23, he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, hypocritus, for you like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You know, I may not be like Peter, and you may not be like Peter. I may not be able to see the sin in your life and perceive or discern the act. I may not be able to see the suit you're wearing or the wax. And you may not see mine, but God does. And he wants for us so much more. He wants so much more from the church. And it comes with honesty, transparency. And, and I, I, I would say tonight, the application of the text, real simple. It's not the hypocrite next to you or living with you or near you. It's the hypocrite in you. And if you are faithful and just to confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse and wash you of all unrighteousness. Was that First John 1, 9? It's the, it's the bar of soap. It's God's bar of soap. If you confess it, he'll, he'll forgive it. And then we're going to be going places. Amen? All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for this evening and to come home and to be with family. And Lord, as we enjoy years together and we're on this this boat called Calvary Chapel God Speak and we, we go through this journey together from point A to point B is we have the privilege to walk this journey together as a family in Christ. Lord, as the years continue, our, our hearts are knitted closer because we get to see each other for who we are and love each other. And blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. God, the message tonight is not to judge the brother next to us or the sister next to us, but to judge the sinner in us, to say, God, change me, cleanse me, take off the gorilla suit. Lord, I want to be real. And and I want to tell folks I need prayer and I need help. And I don't want to be like this anymore. And it's hard. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Lord, that we would be Barnabases to one another. We wouldn't be Ananias and Sapphira. We wouldn't be insincere, filled with wax, but we would we would be Barnabases. We'd be encouragers. And so, Lord, thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for the tenderness of it, the sweetness of it. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would just bring revival. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.